In last week's scripture and sermon, um, we dealt with Peter's problems with the cross. This week in the scripture and sermon, we deal with the problems the Corinthian church has with the cross. That Paul uses the word foolish five times must mean that the people in the Corinthian church told Paul that preaching about the cross is foolish. Now, it's sometimes Paul's style to be ironic and sarcastic in responses to churches. Here, I think he is being ironic and sarcastic. He's basically saying, you want to talk foolishness? I'll talk foolishness. It isn't the cross that's foolish. It's you who are foolish for not believing in the cross. And he goes through pretty logical arguments. If A, then B. If B, then C. The cross isn't foolish. You are for calling the cross foolish. The early church was reluctant to depict the cross uh, in art and architecture and in its literature just as some churches today are reluctant to depict the cross and portray the cross in their sanctuaries and in their literature. The earliest known depiction of the cross uh, in the church was not until the 200s after the, uh, the, the uh, birth of Christ. The cross was seen as a downer. It was seen as a stumbling block. It wasn't good marketing to talk about the cross. And Paul defends the cross as central to the Christian message. Now, when Paul talks about the cross, he is talking about the event of the cross, both the crucifixion and resurrection. It's a package, and it's important to realize that that's what he's doing when he talks about the cross. So let's get into Paul's defense of the cross. The Jews demand signs and the Greeks desire wisdom. Signs. If I just had a sign, signs help us make our decisions. Signs give us confidence that we're on the right path. I heard today of um, someone who... who um, it's a sign for them if they can get in the morning, if they can do the crossword puzzle and get the first six clues. If they get the first six clues, that means they're going to have a good day. You know, we, we seek for signs, you know, I don't know whether I'm going to take this job or not. If I could just have a sign, I don't know if this is the person I should marry or not. If I just had a sign, if I just had a sign, I would know if I should stay in my marriage or not. One of the most famous signs in Christian history is the sign that the Emperor Constantine saw in 312 AD. He saw a sign before a significant battle, and the sign in, in the sky was the first two letters of Christ's name. And a voice said, by this sign you will conquer. He won the battle. 
he converted the entire empire to Christianity. The rest is history. The Jews in the passage in John seek a sign from Jesus. Give us a sign that you are who you say you are, that we should believe you. Signs give us certainty. We know we are doing the right thing if we get a sign. Now the Greeks desire wisdom. What passes for wisdom? Well, self-preservation does. Getting ahead does. Self-reliance and meritocracy and efficiency. Whatever works is wisdom. Being smarter and faster and higher and more powerful, stronger, that passes for wisdom. I mean, money passes for wisdom. Wisdom is what gives us control over our situation and over others. The wise thing is that which doesn't lose control. The wise thing is that which protects me. Paul says at the very beginning of this passage, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. If I am perishing, it is stupid not to save myself. Not to save myself at all costs makes no sense. It is wise to save my own skin. It is wise to look out for number one. The wisdom of the world understands survival of the fittest. The fit are those who survive. Yet survival of the fittest, the struggle for existence, is one in which eventually we all lose. Death is the norm for all living things. If there is one thing of which we are certain, it is death. If there is one way to control people, it is death. To those seeking signs and those desiring wisdom, the cross was about death. It was certain and it controlled people. It was final. You could count on it. But then the resurrection changed all that. I wonder if those who crucified Jesus ever wondered, wow, we got the wrong guy. We got this all wrong. We're going to have to rethink this. You know, when Jesus dies on the cross, the centurion who was there keeping guard says, truly, this was the Son of God. Which is to say, we got the wrong guy. This is a miscarriage of justice. He should not have been crucified. We got it wrong. We thought the crucifixion, the death, 
would certainly establish control. But it didn't. We thought death was final, but it didn't. We thought death was certain, but it isn't. We thought death was controlling, but it isn't. We thought death was the last word, but it isn't. We feel so foolish. What else have we got wrong? Maybe the last will be first. Maybe the weak are strong. Maybe the least is the greatest. Maybe those who mourn are blessed. Maybe suffering is redemptive. Maybe love is stronger than hate. Maybe the meek will inherit the earth. Maybe the humble and vulnerable have power. Maybe generosity is better than greed. If the cross, an instrument of death and control and certitude, is an instrument of life, then nothing is certain and done. Now, the cross doesn't deny the reality of death. It reinforces it. But it denies the finality of death. Soon when we do the prayer of great thanksgiving for communion, you will say, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. If death were final, all we would say is, Christ has died. And then we'd go home. But of course, if all we said was Christ has died, we wouldn't even be here. The cross has turned everything upside down and inside out. The cross is a judgment on what we think we know and what we think is valuable. The cross places a question mark over what we think we know for sure. It says, all bets are off. For Paul, the cross introduces a new way to see life and a new way to live life. The way of the cross is not about certitude. It's about faith. Paul says later in the letter to the Hebrews, faith is the assurance of things not seen. If we see, if we have the signs, we don't need faith. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It's certainty. Certainty doesn't need a relationship with God. Faith does. Faith is a relationship with God. It is trust. And any trusting relationship is a relationship that transforms us because we put ourselves out there. People who are certain don't change because they know the answers. 
People who trust change. Faith creates that crack in our lives that God can enter. The way of the cross is faith, not folly. The way of the cross is not about finality. If death is not final, other things aren't either. Other things that we thought were inevitable or permanent or closed are not. Failure, rejection, racism, exclusion, sexism, shame, guilt, they're not the final word. The door is still open for change. And that is incredibly hopeful. The God in whom we have faith gives hope. The way of the cross is hope, not folly. And the way of the cross is not about power. It's about love. The cross of Christ is not about dominance or control or violence or having the upper hand or being unforgiving or being invulnerable. It's about sacrifice. It's about living for others. It's about suffering for others and forgiving others. When the clan uses the cross clearly do not understand it, for the cross is not about violence and threats. It's about love. At the insurrection at the Capitol two months ago, there were crosses in the crowd. They didn't understand the cross. It's not about violence. It's about love. Later in this letter to the church at Corinth, Paul talks more about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The cross is about love, not folly. Paul ends this passage on love with faith, hope, love, abide. These three are the final things. Not death, but faith, hope, and love abide. And the greatest of these is love. For Paul, the cross is not foolish. It is central to our life. 
It is our way of life. It's not just what we believe. It's who we are. The cross is the way of faith, hope, and love. It doesn't seem foolish. It seems like the way of life. May it be so. Amen.